coaches, by coaches, this is Soccer Chat. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the show. <laughs> With Nick Rizzo. I don't know if I'm entirely ready for it. And Sean Sauterly. There's been no bigger show for Soccer Chat than this one. What's up, everybody? This is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast. And we've got some great friends who support the show, just like listeners like you. We've got our good friends over at Dutig Brand. Check them out, dutigbrand.com. And whenever you are at checkout, use the promo code Soccer Chat to get yourself a sweet discount. Also, shout out to our friends over at Torx, T O R R X.com, for the world's greatest ball pump. Don't go anywhere without it. It's going to save your life. Also, big shouts to Alice Riley and the mates over at Soccer IQ. Check them out on Twitter at Soccer IQ1. As we said, this is a listener-supported podcast supported by people just like you who's listening to this. One of the best ways that you can subscribe to us, one of the best ways that you can support us is by subscribing, like I was saying. Go wherever you're getting your podcast from and make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to leave a five-star rating and review and help you boys out and spread the message of Soccer Chat. If you really want to help us and you really want to spread the message, share the links out every single Thursday when these shows come out. And you can chat along with us and all of our friends and Soccer Chat family members on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And what a, uh, what a week it has been again. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like it, it gets even better and slightly more crazy every single week. But one of the things I did want to talk about is the bar has been significantly raised on all the lip sync battles right now. Holy cow! Absolutely, like people are bringing it. Yeah, I. Um, everybody keeps asking me if we're going to do a winners bracket because they want one. I don't know if I want to do a winners bracket or not. No, I mean, like, again, I, I'm still, I, I have a great one for my revenge. So, like, I honestly, I just want another shot at Shannon. But, I mean, we can, we can do whatever we need to do at, at this point. But, no, <laughs> people, are, people are bringing it. And it's been, it's, it's been a great break in all of this to just be able to watch all that and just see. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. It's so entertaining. And it's a really good idea from you. I definitely did not come up with that one. I will definitely um, let the cat out of the bag that when um, Lauren, aka Smurf, I don't know why I just called her Lauren. She's Smurf. Uh, when Smurf texted me yesterday to confirm everything, uh, sent me a gif of Backstreet Boys. And so I was like, okay, like Smurf is, is going to do a boy band thing. And before she emailed me the video, it was like, just to let you know, we're going for the element of surprise. And I was just like, okay, watching the video was totally surprised by it. On the flip side, Emma had a really good choice of what her number one was going to be. And then just out of nowhere, changed her mind um, and went with Skater Boy, which I was like, oh, Nick's going to like Nick's going to vote for this one because it's Avril Lavigne. Yeah, I mean, I love Avril Lavigne. That's on our wedding playlist, so. I, I feel like a lot of these, you know, really why I'm doing this lip sync battle is to give you songs for your, your wedding reception. It's okay. Our, our playlist is already done. Like it, it's, I'm really bad about spoiling stuff. So I, I'm probably not allowed to share what our playlist is, but I would straight up just give it to everyone because I think our thing is awesome. Well, uh, you have to uh, send that this way and let your boy, uh, actually you need to send it to, to Becky Burley. So that way she can make sure she has all the music for when she DJs. DJ Becky Burley, DJ of our wedding, Becky Burley. I really hope that she's she's actually like going to be there and, and starts I'm like. I'm really hoping that she does too. You know, like I'm <laughs> I'm very, 
I like I, it's kind of a joke at this point, but like eventually it, I'd like to turn into one of those things where like, well, do you really want to do this? Because you can. Yeah. Like you can, you're not on the list, but you're on the list. <laughs> like yeah, well, whatever, whoever your security you. is, because I'm sure you're going to have security there. Like we'll just be like, hey, like let this lady in. I think the best security we have is just like there's going to be 700 people and a bunch of them are like, like either my college friends who are all very large human beings or like Kelly, Kelly, she hates when I say this, but she grew up on a farm. So like she's got some good old farm folk that would, uh, gotcha. they, they, they probably are like, they probably have concealed carry. So we're pretty good. Well, I figured that security came with the uh, convention center for the, for the yeah, wedding. I mean, I, I don't, that's, that's a detail we have not worked out yet, but it's possible. <laughs> well, you still got plenty of time to, uh, to round up some security. Um, I was going to say there was something I was going to bring up, but you brought up the, uh, the lip sync battles, which has, again, you're right. It has blown my mind. Um, how well those have been done. Um, it was unfair to have Amy as a, as a person, like <laughs> as the person that could like actually like legitimately make a music video. Yeah. Like, no, no, no doubt Smurf would have brought it. But like when you have someone like Amy who can like straight up make an unbelievable music video, it's just an unfair advantage. I mean, it's just, it's, I, 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 Emma, Emma brought it. Like Emma absolutely brought it and would win most weeks, but you had a legit professional choreographer and video maker. Doing <laughs> video. Well, I think the thing that like Emma's was really good and it was like, um, what I, well, the thing that with you mentioned about like Amy, somebody being like, anybody can do that stuff. You have a phone, you've got editing software on it. Like it's, it's so easy to do. And that's what I was helping Emma out with because she was trying to get some um, recording software where she could do multiple um, shots on her phone. Um, so we got her connected with it. And then uh, she just, she tore it down. I, I don't think, I don't think her video is getting enough credit. Um, I think obviously Smurf being where she's at, uh, with her connections. Uh, but we got, we got to give some love to the Brits. I think, uh, I, I loved it because when Enema sent me her video, uh, she was on speakerphone and her mom was in the background and Emma's actually back in England. Uh, currently she just left. Oh, like, Emma crushed it. Emma and, absolutely crushed it. And her mom was worried because she didn't think that Avril Lavigne was a thing in America. And I oh was like, God. Oh, I was like, I go, I am pretty sure you're going to get Nick's vote with this one because he loves Avril Lavigne. And this was a song that like got her into, into America. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I can screenshot you. I absolutely voted for her. And like not anything against Murph, but like you, like you won me on song choice. That's, that's what I figured. That's absolutely what I figured. So uh, we can let Emma know that she, okay. we know for a fact that one of the votes uh, did come from you. Okay. I'm partial or bipartial, whatever it is. I don't vote. Um, but I do let the contestants know like, okay, like, yeah, that was pretty good. And I just, I, you know, each week they just keep getting out done. Like I thought the first week me having to do the multiple, uh, scenes, I thought that was like too over the top. And then Shannon come out of nowhere and just destroyed everything. And then we had Emma and Smurf just like destroy last week's too, which brings up yeah. a funny point. I don't know if you saw this, but whenever we released Shannon's video, John Lipsitz made a, a comment about a, this video is awesome. B do you have to, did you have to explain to your players what a music video is and C none of them will even get this video referenced. Oh, so no. Watching it with, um, I was watching, I was showing my wife the video today because she was asking about 
how the lip sync battles were going. She didn't see that one. And I was really upset. My wife had never seen that Alanis Morissette video. Oh, man. Dude, I was like, like that's that. a historic music video. That is an absolute historic music video. Uh, so we have a really awesome show. We've been, we've been doing these, these Skype calls over the last couple of weeks uh, with various groups. Uh, and we had one uh, recently with our friends from the adaptive soccer world that was just so informative um, that you know, we had to put it out for coaches. Even if you're not an adaptive soccer coach, listen to this and, and hear, you know, the experiences that these coaches are currently going through uh, during this pandemic, uh, trying to make sense of it all with their players, letting their players know, like, or, you know, letting, telling us like how hard it is for our players to understand that there's not soccer going on right now. Uh, so, you know, do yourself a favor, sit back, relax, uh, and enjoy this one because I think you're really, really going to get something out of it. We walk alone in the unknown. We live to win another victory. We are the young, dying sons. We live to change the face of history. Obviously, that we love our adaptive soccer on Soccer Chat, and we've had our college coaches so far, we've had our club coaches so far, and now we've got to get to our adaptive friends. There's so much to go on uh, and talk about. You know, we, we've been talking with coaches already uh, about how we've been dealing with uh, everything going on with the pandemic that's currently going on, but obviously there's other soccer as well, and we got to know on their side how they're going through with things because obviously, you know, I was kind of chatting with uh, one of our guests on um, today that, uh, you know, that things are a little bit different, uh, for, for the kids of adaptive soccer, because, you know, there's, there's no, they don't understand the reason why they're not able to play. Uh, and there's so many more things uh, that it's hard on the parents, uh, as well. And, and what we're going to be doing today is trying to give as much information, as much answers to those people, to those folks who are adaptive soccer coaches on how they can, can navigate during this time and still make it, uh, make it worthwhile for everyone. So what we'll do real quick is uh, I'll uh, go through and kind of let everybody uh, introduce themselves. We'll start uh, with the, the uh, Dose Turries, if you'll pop on and uh, introduce yourselves to everybody. Hey everyone, this is uh, Dan Turry, um, and I'm here with with Anna. I'll let her say hi in a second. So I'll introduce the role that I've got with AYSO VIP, uh, is I actually support the program across nine different states, um, including our home state of Iowa. So I'm Anna. I'm his daughter. I'm 14, and I help him out with a lot of the VIP work we do. All right, and next up we have a former uh, soccer chat guest from Baltimore, Mr. David. Can you uh, introduce yourself to everybody? Thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, we've met in Baltimore. I'm Dave Robinson. I live in Bradenton, Florida, where it is warm and mostly sunny. So our issues about going outside aren't quite as heinous as they are in, in uh, Sean's world or of higher. I'm a uh, uh, USYS top soccer leader for local program in the state of Florida and the South U.S. region. 
All right. And, uh, you know, I do have to admit that here in Southern Indiana, it was a ripe 80 degrees today and I absolutely loved it, uh, while I was, uh, getting everything going and Dan Hauser, you have, uh, you've shared your screen again. <laughs> Just go back and hit that one button. You'll be all right, man. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sean, after you get your screen, uh, unshared, nope, not that button. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love this. Uh, let's see here. Sean, on your screen, you'll need to uh, go see. Um, no. Well, and I'm over here trying to point on my screen where you should click, but it's not helping. Yeah. So, okay. So, Sean, you need to go back to the actual call. Okay. Here, hold on. Sean, here it is. Here it is. This button. So, there it is. See the, the two square, two rectangles by the red button? And here I am, like, pointing at it like you can see that. There it is. Now, hit your microphone button. Okay, how can I see people again? We can see you. All right, All right. well, I'll, I'll just go without nothing. So we're good. <laughs> so go ahead, Sean, introduce yourself. <laughs> um, Sean Danhauser, I'm um, I'm with U.S. Youth Soccer as well. I am the uh, state chair for uh, Illinois Youth Soccer, but I also serve as a regional chair uh, for the Midwest region of U.S. Youth Soccer. And I, I run a program of about uh, 40 athletes in the western suburbs of Chicago. All right. And the man, the legend from down under, the mate. Coach Pete. Oh, hi, hi, captains. Uh, welcome. Um, so, Pete and I here from Sydney, Australia. Uh, so, people might know me for being the assistant coach to our Australian Blind B1 football team, as well as the technical assistant to our Australian Deaf football team. And also, massive FIFA World Cup Twitter superstar. How are you not going to talk about that? <laughs> You know, just trying to have some fun. It's good your time. Videos, I think your video has been viewed by like 500 million people. Come on now. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I will, soccer, chat, soccer chat data will soon, you know, overpass that anyway. So my data will be irrelevant. So don't worry. Oh, about yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Miss Valerie, introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, I'm Valerie Jacoby. I uh, run the Schomburg Athletic Association's top soccer program. Uh, we're a suburb of Chicago. We're actually Sean's neighbors, and he's helped us out a lot. We started our program, two, this is our second year. We're kind of growing exponentially, and I just saw this on Sean's Facebook page, and it seemed like an interesting opportunity to meet and talk with other adaptive soccer coaches. Awesome. And Stefan, are you here? Are you back yet? I think he's, he's, he's tending to, uh, to the matters. Uh, so, you know, one thing that I've asked all the, the coaches on the other chats of the, of the club and the, and the college is obviously, I mean, everything that's going on with this, and this is going to be awesome talking to Pete from a worldly perspective is this all has come literally out of nowhere and there's no manual on how to prepare for it. There was no manual on how to deal with our own players. Um, and there was no manual on what to do when it comes to soccer business with all this. So for what we what we kind of and we'll start off with Pete since he's our, our farthest traveler here. Um, when all this happens and it goes down and you find out that sessions are postponed or they're canceled or games are canceled or, you know, parts of your seasons are canceled. What was kind of take us through the process that you had to deal with uh, when it comes to learning about the, the coronavirus pandemic and how it's uh, how ultimately it has currently affected uh, your programs. 
And Pete, now you're muted. Hit your microphone button. Sorry, you we're just, back online. You, you just uh, Dan Hauser yeah. the podcast. Yeah, I definitely did. I apologize <laughs> for that. It won't happen again. Um, look, it, it massively affected um, how we work. Like, uh, blind football team, I was meant to be away on a training camp last weekend, um, and that pretty quickly got cancelled. Um, still waiting for the airlines to refund me my tickets, so then hopefully they can get that sorted. Um, but that was a training camp for us to basically prepare for a tournament actually our first international tournament, which was going to be taking place in June. So no training camp meant that we it was kind of a knock-on effect. We only get so many times as a national team that we can get together. And uh, basically our international tournament in June was cancelled. So now we basically have for the second year in a row no, nothing to kind of like aim towards and nothing to kind of like look forward two as a national team um so that's really disheartening especially for the blind players when we've been trying to grow this program as best as we can over the last probably 24 months that it's really starting to develop in terms of our player pool including our technical roster and that kind of stuff so that one's disheartening big time um likewise uh our deaf football program same thing we're meant to have a training camp over easter that's obviously been cancelled uh we were invited to the world championships being held in south korea later on this year there's still no confirmation whether or not that will be going ahead or not and because of that the players are all obviously on edge a lot of them work kind of on a casual basis or on a part-time basis so um because of that their jobs are now in jeopardy, which means that they might not be able to pay for the international travels. Um, it, it's it's just massive that we've got this knock-on effect. So it's more of a psychological thing and a mental thing whereby we're, we're connecting with players and connecting with um, technical staff pretty much on a daily basis to share out as much info as possible um, just to kind of make sure that everyone's doing okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Sean, what's it kind of been like, you know, obviously you're from a, uh, from a regional perspective as well. Um, you know, so kind of take us through this timeline of learning at it within your own community and how it affected top soccer, but also now kind of even from a, uh, bigger perspective on the national level. Well, um, it's certainly, I'll, I'll speak to the national level first because we were, uh, both, uh, Dave Robinson and I were, very active in trying to put together a, a really first class uh, coaching symposium. It was going to be our very first national top soccer coaching symposium. And, and it was scheduled to start today. Um, so, you know, that, that got pulled out from underneath us, uh, you know, both Dave and I, and, and, and some of our peers put a massive amount of work into uh, making that happen. Dave was in charge of getting all the presenters, uh, lined up. I was in charge of the registration. Um, as you might imagine, that's that's a, that's a lot of work. Um, so having that, um, you know, uh, taken away, um, well, albeit while we made the right call in doing so, it's still disappointing um, that we couldn't get it done. Now, fortunately, we've made the decision to postpone it till late August. So hopefully by then we'll be out of the woods and we can kind of resume our typical uh, uh, behaviors at that time, but we 
Um, definitely, um, that was a big, big hit to us. We were looking forward to really connecting and networking and learning uh, from our fellow coaches. Um, we even had, I think, Dan and Anna were going to come in for that one as well. So we were going to start to extend the olive branches out to other organizations and um, learn from them as well. Um, so that so that pretty much stunk. But uh, on a uh, local level, um, you know, we're, we're everyone's being hit in the same way. Uh, most of us have spring seasons that uh, we're going to or, you know, would be starting by now. Um, and, you know, they're they're just not happening and everything's still up in the air. Uh, I know my 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 program itself, um, you know, we were scheduled to end in April. Um, right now, we, we know we can't play. The earliest we can play is April 18th. Um, and that's, you know, still to be determined. So there might not be a spring season. And that's that's pretty tough on the kids because, um, you know, we've been hyping them up, you know, leading into the spring season, you know, we're reaching out, we're telling them, Hey, you know, only four weeks away, only three weeks away, two weeks away, we're ready to go. Um, and then we're not playing. So, you know, having the kids try to understand uh, the coronavirus situation is very difficult, um, especially with our, our athletes with intellectual disabilities who may not be really comprehending why the social distancing has to happen uh, for everyone's safety. All they know is they wanted to play soccer on Saturday or Friday or whenever we play, and now they can't and they don't understand why. So it's 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 pretty tough on the players, um, certainly tough on the parents as well, who who also look forward to this. But in the meantime, they're they're having to have that discussion with their kids almost every day why they can't be playing soccer. So. Um, you know, I guess the only upside to the current situation is watching how the coaching community has responded in creative ways. Um, I mean, I'm constantly trolling uh, Facebook and, and Twitter to see what other coaches are doing. And I've, you know, I've kind of picked up on a few things. I've started trying to provide some, you know, small amount of content content on a daily basis. Um, something that, you know, our families can do at home with the kids, with the soccer ball involved, that, uh, you know, it's, it's at least something, you know, to, to kind of keep the game in their lives while we get through this situation. But uh, definitely tough. And, um, you know, just like every other coach out there, um, I miss the kids. You know, I want to play yeah. with them. I want to be on the field with them. I'm sure every coach here, you know, feels the same way. It's uh, it's an unfortunate situation. But I think if there's going to be any kind of uh, silver lining to this is um, just the sheer ingenuity that I'm seeing from from the coaches community as they find ways to connect with their players has been uh, it I don't think it would have happened any other way. So I think we're going to take a lot of lessons from this and uh, certainly be better prepared for the next time it happens and maybe even a little proactive. So, um, you know, I'm I'm choosing to take the good out of the situation as much as I can, even though I'm, I'm disappointed as, as you might know. Absolutely. And, uh, and Dan and Anna, what about uh, you guys from your end? So I think like Sean said, I, I mean, there was a lot of activities that we were really excited for. Um, one of the first ones that we had is our local hospital uh, partners with the, the physical therapy assistant program and occupational therapy assistant at the community college. 
and we have this whole adaptive sports day. And not only is it a good way for us to kind of warm up, um, but we also have an opportunity to do our training session at that same time. Um, and of course, you know, the constraints, we, we ended up canceling that. And, and then, uh, you know, we were definitely looking forward to the hospitality of the top soccer program. Uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about uh, this aspect of the game is is we all want the same thing. We want that opportunity for every athlete to have a ball at their feet. And, uh, you know, barriers or names, um, they don't necessarily matter to us. And, and we want to share as much knowledge as we can and uh, bring those things back to the uh, athletes that we support back here. And as speechless as always. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to Valerie. Valerie, how's the, what's kind of been the timeline for you and your organization? Yeah, we're kind of at a standstill, you know, just kind of like what Sean said, we were gearing up to start actually, uh, the, uh, Saturday, the fourth. So we were planning a training and, you know, all these, all these things going on in my mind, like what could we do creatively this season? And that's going to be pushed off, but, um, yeah, and, and, you know, I've been thinking about what we can do to kind of reach out to our players. Um, definitely love what Sean's been doing on Facebook and sharing some videos um, daily. And we're going to share his videos, which is great. So I don't have to make different videos. We'll just share his. And those are fantastic for our players to see. And maybe um, we have a therapy dog that we just started, ha- um, who just started coming to practice. So I think we'll make some videos of him just to get the kids remembering what fun, you know, that soccer's fun and um, just to remind them, you know, who we are and just stay engaged in that way. And I think I'm going to start reaching out to families and seeing if they need a soccer ball. I mean, not all, all of our kids have a soccer ball. So to make sure that they get a soccer ball so at home they can play with the soccer ball, hold it, you know, just another reminder. Maybe we'll write a message on it just to remind them that, hey, we're, we're still here. We'll hopefully see you, I don't know, late, late spring maybe a couple times in the summer or you know at worst next fall absolutely uh and david i know especially you know down in florida things are uh, a little bit crazy down there you've obviously had a little bit uh warmer weather than most of us but how kind of what's been the timeline with you and your program sure thanks sean so for my local program we were entering our eighth and final week uh it would have been what about two weeks ago now and we canceled it because of you know concerns, and ultimately the the county where we run our program had closed the fields, and our soccer club had decided that all programming would end you know uh, until we got the all clear. Uh, as part of my program, we do provide a soccer ball to all the players to take home and have that with them. But uh, I got an email from a parent the other day asking where they could buy a, a cheap goal because their child wanted to be, you know, kicking goals and, you know, staying practiced and and realizing that most of the parents don't have that kind of equipment. And the fact is at my soccer club and in my program, I've got goals that go unused. So I emailed back and said, look, don't buy anything. Just use one of mine for the next, you know, however long it takes to keep your kid engaged. And I'm going to email the rest of my parents tomorrow to say, if any of you need equipment, um, if you've lost your soccer ball, please let me know. We can find a way to get it to you. You know, um, I had, I had gotten trophies. I had gotten medals. I had printed certificates, uh, none of which I got to distribute at our last day. Cause the last day was canceled. So I'm like, okay, please, if you want them stop by, I'll hold things off until, and frankly, I'm done until October because, uh, 
I tried a bit of a, an indoor soccer camp last summer and didn't attract a lot of people. But, you know, the soccer season in Florida is kind of split between January, February, March and you know, September through December. Uh, the rest of the time, it's really quite uncomfortable to play, especially for our kids with special needs. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you some of you have kind of hit on on the communication factor. And I know that was kind of that's been a big topic uh, within coaching this week about, you know, a lot of colleges are starting to make their con- connect with players. Uh, clubs are starting to make connection with players and we're using, you know, uh, we're just giving a phone call. We're using zoom, we're using Skype, we're using Google Hangouts, whatever it may be. Uh, obviously with, with the, the kids of adaptive soccer, you know, there's various forms of communication that you want to use. Most of the time you want them to be able to see, you want them to be able to hear you. Uh, so, you know, we'll start with, uh, the long dramatic pause of this conversation so far, Anna of the Los Turries. Um, Anna, you know, when it comes to communicating with these players during this situation, you know, what are some ways that you've looked into or you've used already uh, in making that communication and just kind of letting them know what's going on? So normally we send out like monthly emails, just kind of saying, like giving updates about what's happening. And if there's any new events, like the, um, the one event that Kirk would put on for adaptive sports, we always offer and put out for everyone. And that's really what we've been doing so far. We haven't done much else, I would say. Yeah, we've talked about doing a little bit of video outreach. Um, uh, uh, Tough part is with so many unknowns, not necessarily knowing what to say right now. Yeah, and that's, you know, just that aspect of that question made me really think is like, you know, here we are as, as coaches, uh, you know, on the club side, college side, and we're organizing these meetings. Um, and, but yet, you know, with you, you almost want to have that one-on-one communication rather than, you know, trying to send something massive out, you know, yes, an email will be good for, for the parents to get the information, but you really want to get that information specifically to the kids and you want to give it to them, uh, one-on-one, you know, Valerie, what are the, the ways that you're communicating, uh, these messages to your families and specifically to your players? Yeah, well, we haven't gone through too much communication as uh, yet. I mean, it's been it's really weird because we this is our first season. We've had all winter. We've had um, practices. So it's like every other week, almost once or twice a week, I've been emailing the families and our volunteers. And now it's kind of stopped and we're supposed to start the fourth. And we haven't gotten much, I guess, guidance after after that with our um, we're part of a community uh, rec soccer association and they don't know what to say either. So it's hard to know what to say as far as, you know, we're on hold or, you know, we could start up maybe in April or, or what the story is. So it's hard to know what to say. Um, but I think I, you know, Facebook's one way. I think we, we usually do mass emails, but I think that maybe some sort of mass email with that visual piece where, you know, it's us, the coaches talking, our therapy dog, maybe we'll have a couple volunteers make some videos of themselves doing some, some, um, some soccer skills, you know, ask the parents, maybe can you share a picture, you know, comment on those pictures and have some sort of back and forth. And I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to um, be on this chat today and see what everybody else is doing, because I think that's a big thing. My son has special needs. I know he wouldn't understand if I told him necessarily, but if he could see and these reminders going through this this break period, maybe it would keep him excited for when soccer does come or at least keep him um, remembering what that is and something to look forward to. Absolutely. And David, what about you? Yeah, so having just finished the season, it's not a time that we would normally be in you know, mass communication mode. But I like the thought of using Facebook or Facebook page. And I'll probably uh, send out links to other things like what Sean Danhauser does with his son and all that. 
Um, and I'll just tee up an issue that maybe we can handle later on is um, my wife, who is what I call my secret weapon, she's a school, elementary school OT. And so she's dealing with the same issues from a therapy perspective of, you know, with school-based learning, moving to online learning and other, other tools like that, um, she has to be very careful because it's not as easy for her as a normal teacher because she, she sees groups of kids, you know, 10 kids come into a portable classroom and they do therapy things. Well, if, if she needs to find tools and methods to do that online or video-based that, rep, um, how do I say it, that uh, don't violate HIPAA yeah. uh, patient confidentiality. You know, if there's six kids in the class, the other five parents don't know who else is in the class, right? They know their kid is in there. And so they, it, it's just a, a real morass of record keeping and all that kind of thing that she's having to deal with over and above, you know, the technology issues and challenges that they were never prepared for, you know, and um, maybe that maybe the you all can we can talk about that as a later topic, but that's a whole other issue to have to deal with. Absolutely. Uh, and Pete, what about you? What's been your, yeah. your group's communi form of communication? So for us, kind of the the general communication methods we go through is obviously things like WhatsApp and using Facebook and having our little group chats in that way. Um, that's kind of the easiest way to communicate with a lot of our players, especially um, those guys who have accessibility features on their phones. So that way their phones will speak to them. So it's the easiest way to kind of get messages out to the blind team. Um, as well as the deaf team. However, we've also had a weird little thing whereby whenever government messaging has been coming out or messaging from like our uh, Football Federation Australia, they haven't actually had a Auslan interpreter there as well. So they have not been able to provide, you know, the sign language for us to be able to communicate with our players. So whenever a governing message has, has come out, you get kind of half of our national team saying, what did they just say? Um, can you explain it to us? So we end up having to kind of translate a whole lot of messages and trying to keep kind of the, the key themes available for them as well. So um, that, that one's obviously been quite tough, getting the messaging across. But I guess it, it's what we're able to do at the moment is the casual WhatsApp message because a lot of our guys are either at work full time or working from home or some of them are tradies and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it's what works for us at the moment, but I'm sure that there'll be other systems, whether we do Skype calls or whether we do some uh, Zoom meetings or whatever works that way. But we should be able to get something happening soon. Absolutely. And, Sean, you know, with the, what's been the communication like on your end uh, of getting these these messages out to your players? So it's really challenging to reach out to our players. Our, 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 most of our players are young. They do not have their own accounts um, that we can reach directly out to them. So everything is really has to be relayed uh, through the, the parents. So um, right now I'm kind of sticking with the really kind of general messages used, used through social media because that is the easiest, fastest way to, for me to reach my entire uh, demographic that I'm working with. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a little jealous at times when I see, you know, like uh, Coach Nick is, you know, he's, he's having conversations with his players. He's sending them emails. 
we can't do that that as as easily i think you know dan is um uh working with you know old, older players um who have you know limitations that are you know not uh, intellectual based most of the time um but that's a majority of what we're probably seeing through uh vip and top soccer is you know i would say close to 75 80% of our players are are you know intellectually disabled so it's a struggle. It's a struggle. So it's, it's gotta be kept kind of, um, high level. Um, I'd love to reach out, but as we're sitting here talking and as, as I was listening to Valerie speak, I'm just like, well, you know, maybe we can start making some, some personalized messages that we could actually send to the parents, um, and have them play it for their, yeah, kids. I was going to say, like, has, has anyone like made a video to send? I haven't. I did not think of it yet. Um, you know, so I'm grateful for this conversation because I think that's something really cool. That if I if I just sat down and did, uh, you know, a couple, you know, one or two minute message to all my players, I could I could knock out a bunch of those videos and then you know just send them out. You know, just let just let the kids know we're, we're thinking about them. Um, and I'll, you know, probably stagger out the the messages between the other two coaches that work with me. So they're hopefully getting, uh, you know, multiple touches uh, throughout the week as well. So um, that's something I think I'm going to try to uh, work into my schedule. Um, I think that'd be really cool. Um, plus, I'd, I'd love to make sure they know that I'm I'm thinking about them. You know, I you know I think yeah. we're all we're all involved because we we care so damn much about these kids um, and these adults, you know, that, you know, for the ones that work with adults, but um, you know, it's, it's th that disconnect. That's I'm, I'm missing most of all. Yeah. Sean, yeah. what platform do you use to distribute? Uh, you know, I got, I got to think about that, you know, at this point. So um, it, it, yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little research and see what's, What's the best solution? It may still, I think most of my, my parents uh, are, you know, are, are on the Facebook, you know, platform. I can probably reach out to them using messenger, you know, and send, send a video through there. Well, what I was about to ask is, is there, have any of you had to make that like direct? I mean, and obviously not direct because we have our, our, um, you know, uh, was it social distancing, but have any of you had to make like that one-on-one -on -one connection with one of your players, uh, just because of maybe the parent or, or, or the guardian is having a struggle of, um, relaying the message and, and the child just doesn't understand or, or the player doesn't understand. Uh, but yet, you know, coach Pete or coach Sean or coach Dan, coach David, coach Valerie, coach Steph, and maybe they've got a way that, that explains it, that the players seem to grasp. I mean, is, has anyone had to have do that? Uh, yeah, I think Pete, I think you're typing. So I, that probably means that you, you've got one. So go ahead and just unmute your mic there for me, my guy. Uh, sorry, I was just going to jump in and kind of say it's a voice of authority if it comes from uh, one of our voices rather than it coming from kind of the parent's voice. Um, like as, as Sean's there saying about having little videos, uh, Dave's talking about what platforms you can kind of share it through. I think that whatever kind of the decision is, it's kind of that voice of authority and that familiar face, even if it's a simple thing of having that 30 second video where you're wearing the same coach shirt that you normally would 
just that visual reminder will have such a big impact on these guys. Um, and even uh, it might not be the easiest thing to access, but I guess it would be amazing if you could access it in kind of a similar or a familiar setting to where training might normally take place. So if it's if training might normally be at like your local park or it might be at kind of a venue that is familiar to them, maybe can you work out a, a background or I don't know, like I'm stuck in my apartment at the moment, to be honest. So I wouldn't be able to do a whole lot in terms of how I can get out to uh, message anyone or get out to kind of film stuff. But I don't know, maybe you could have kind of green stream background and have a, a quick little video happening in the background to make things familiar and safe. Absolutely. And Dan, you had something you want to add to that. Yeah, I, I was just going to share. Um, so so my day job is I'm an academic administrator at a community college. And one of our faculty talked about a friend of theirs had gotten in the car and drove to each of her fourth grade students, um, 19 students. It took four hours. Welcome to rural Iowa. Uh, but th- that's one of those things. I, I mean, we've got an opportunity here to to make sure we let our athletes know that we haven't forgotten them. We do care for them. Um, and I think Anna and I will probably end up doing some fun videos this weekend and, uh, I don't know what they'll be, but we'll come up with something good. Yeah. You know what you just to kind of, I know my wife, uh, she's a principal and they're already having discussions about, they've seen where, um, teachers are caravanning and driving to all the neighborhoods where their students live at and just kind of stopping. And when they know that it's a house of their specific student, the teacher maybe rolls their window down, says hello, tells them they're thinking about them, they miss them. Uh, just that way the student sees them. So, I mean, is that something too that's possible? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not really familiar with everyone's area, but is that something that's possible where, you know, you could drive to the house, stop by, just say hello, uh, let them know and kind of kind of go from there? Um, well, and, and, you know, Sean, I think one of the tough parts is, is um, our athletes, depending on, on what brings them to our programs, uh, they may or may not comprehend, well, why did Coach Dan and Coach Anna come by, uh, but we didn't get to play soccer when we saw yeah. them today. So that's the other tough part of, so some will really understand that. And, and I think for others, even if we see them in the grocery store, they're like, oh, can we kick a ball? Uh, no, I'm here to grab a box of Frosted Flakes, but... <laughs> Y'all and your cereal, man. Y'all and your cereal. Uh, wow. <laughs> so we, we, our, our friend Stefan, who uh, Nick and I got to meet um, at the Illinois Youth Soccer uh, Award Ceremony, uh, just popped in and where he was a, a recipient of award. He's with Chicago Top Soccer. And Stefan, I know you said that uh, when it comes to this, you've got uh, something to go on to. You know, It may not be soccer related, but uh, it would be something that would be beneficial for everyone who's listening. Yeah, and I just got a copy of it, but it's an actual social story that is geared towards uh, the coronavirus and kind of explains, um, you know, why we're social distancing and washing our hands and what a virus is. And it's a, it's a good set of visuals for our kids that can kind of understand it a little bit more as much as they totally mean. I'm an adult and I still understand this thing, but it gives some visuals for our kids to do it. But it's not soccer related, but can at least explain why we're not playing right now and why we're in a holding pattern and why the season's postponed is because of this uh, coronavirus. So um, I just recently got a copy of it. It actually was shared by my son's teacher. She gave it to us so that we could, I could explain it to my two sons um, what the coronavirus is and why we're not at school right now 
and where I had this long break and why soccer is not going. So it, it's a good visual that we can probably share with our kids um, to help them better understand a little bit. Yeah, you know, speak like doing something like that on. I know, like Sean's got his social media page for his group, and and maybe if that's the way with your connections to parents, you know, maybe using you know this graphic like uh, Stefan's talking about, and maybe maybe put it on a video with your voice actually explaining it, so that way as the athlete is you know if they're able to see uh the the visual but also hear that voice uh, like you know pete said the voice of authority uh you know kind of describing it to them so it is you know coaches telling them specifically why uh, you know i i don't know uh that i mean that would be something maybe we can uh, nominate uh sean danhazer as the official narrator um all of this and, and he can send it out for everyone to use well i don't agree got with such a great voice <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i just figured you know we might as well put uh, the number one guy uh involved with that um but you know david you brought up a, an excellent um question and i i, I want to revisit that if you don't mind uh so if you could just kind of uh, preface that question because i you you brought up some excellent points well i just made the point that um you know when it comes to <laughs> Uh, we, we have our program, we meet out there in, in, on the fields, everyone who shows up, we know is part of our community. But, um, if you start to, uh, I guess it's just different compared to a school environment where a classroom is a classroom and all the kids are just kids, uh, in a, in a occupational therapy session, it's almost that you get that, that therapist client privilege, if you will, or. You just can't open things up to, to people who don't know about it. Uh, top soccer is a bit different, though, because, again, um, we don't really share uh, our like when I email all my parents of my players, I do it via blind carbon copy. You know, I never really tell who else is getting the email um, when I post stuff to Facebook. It's on Facebook, but that's kind of self user, you know, subscribed. It's not really telling, hey, Joe Smith, you know, this kid, Mary. Uh, her daughter, Sally, is is in top soccer. Here's her email address. I'm very careful to kind of keep that information on my end and not share it. But and that it kind of gets in the way, if you will, of being able to more transparently share information uh, for these kids and engage with the kids and their families in top soccer. Yeah, you know, and Valerie, you know, kind of is that something that you've thought about when trying to, you know, you mentioned, you know, be able to talk to your own son about this uh you know is that something you've kind of thought about you know i maybe i can explain it to him one way but other athletes i may have to explain it uh in a different manner sure yeah everybody you know especially in top soccer they're they're all so different and they all relate in different ways and they um relate to different voices and and i think this a social story is a great idea you can even throw a soccer ball in there um videos are great for other kids some kids you know just want to hear from their parents and you know, it it is hard with what your um, the last speaker was saying because, right? We don't necessarily share everybody's names and addresses with each other, but these kids are making friendships, and sometimes it's their only friendship is that one other kid on the top soccer field with them. And we just we just had this. We had a, a couple of kids, and they just hit it off. And both the parents emailed me and said, "Wow, thank you so much. This is like his first friend." And so now they just made this huge great connection and this huge amazing thing happened to them they have a friend and now that that's gone too and how do you go from now this nothingness to building back with 
you know, all this growth that they made. So that's difficult. I, I don't know if there's a best way to relate to, to all the players. Um, I think you just do your best and kind of have your parents as the middleman, you know, the parents know these kids best. So if we come out with a couple different um, ways to speak with them, an email to the parent, we could do a video or a social story. The parent, I think, would know what's the best way to approach their individual child. Absolutely. And Sean, I know something that uh, David actually just brought up, but I've, I've heard you talk about before about that relationships with the players and the buddies that, that are part of the program. Yeah. Um, you know, our, I, I think our buddies look as forward to uh, playing with the kids as the kids do with the buddies. And, um, you know, and we've had to reach out to them. It's a little tougher to, you know, have that kind of connection translated through this situation. Um, they, you know, it's just got to be put on hold, which stinks. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, another challenge that, uh, we're going to have to work around. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, you know, I, I just kind of wish that we could have been prepping for this situation better. You know, like if, you know, if it had been great, if we had like a six month head start and say, okay, start thinking about ways that, we could communicate if we couldn't actually, you know, be in the same room together. Um, you know, maybe we'd be better prepared, but uh, maybe we wouldn't have even done anything. You know, it's it's necessity is the uh, mother invention, right? And um, it's you know, I'm I'm like I said, I I, I try to I'm trying to stay positive in that. Uh, you know, just just talking tonight, you know, I'm coming up with two or three great ideas. I, I can't wait. I, you know, I was texting uh, Coach Steph on the phone saying, hey, send me that social story. We're going to we're going to blast that out to all the uh, top soccer coaches that I know. Uh, I'll share that with them, you know, and, um, you know, I've been I've been taking some of this time, uh, you know, building up some other social stories just related to the game of soccer for for our kids as well. So um, just, you know, going to pull that trigger pretty, pretty soon with with our programs. But, uh, uh, you know, being in the situation has given me a little extra time to to, to work on these projects that, uh, you know, that I've been having to just kind of keep on the shelf for a little while. So. Um, but yeah, the, the player buddy situation is, is extremely tough, but I think as Val says, you know, the, the, the player player friendships, that is, you know, that's extra special in my opinion. Um, and it's, it's a shame that, uh, we finally make this, you know, breakthrough, um, with these, with these two kids. And then it's, you know, it has to be put on a shelf, you know, for a while. I mean, they'll, They'll get back to it eventually, but, um, you know, I'm sure they're, they're both extremely disappointed and both very confused. And, uh, I think, you know, the confusion is, this is what is probably, you know, breaking our hearts right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and I've got, I've got kind of a two part question here. Um, and, and Pete, if you want to step up and answer first, uh, you know, one of the questions that, that I had was we, uh, coaches of all players. We've been talking about how we're getting our players to just take this information in and and try to make a reason of what's going on, why why they're getting sent home from school, why they're not being able to play soccer, why they're not able to be around their their uh their teammates, why they're not able to be around their coaches. And you know, so like one, you know, how how are you 
getting your players to grasp that concept of what's going on right now. And, you know, kind of Stefan brings up a great point. Now we've got the social story that we can share and maybe we can, we can go into more details, but also at the same time, you know, coaches all around the country. And, and I'd say now, I mean, cause Pete's here. So we're going to go all around the world here. We're worldwide now. Um, you know, we've all talked about that first practice back is not going to be the same. We can't prepare for it. We ourselves as coaches mentally are not ready for it. Our players, no matter what team they're on, no matter what they play, are not mentally ready for it because this is affecting every single person one way or another mentally. You know, physically, it may not, maybe the kids are still being active uh, and whatever else, but at the same time, we all as a, as a, as a world are not going to be really re- prepared to go right back into that first session, guns blazing, like we, like nothing ever happened. So Pete, you know, f- so like I said, kind of a two-part question. What are you doing to make sure your players are grasping that concept that, you know, there is no soccer right now, there is this pandemic going on, but at the same time, how are you using that to prepare them for that first session back? Because like I said, like none of us are going to be the same that very first session back. Awesome. So heavily loaded question, but kind of what I'll do is I'll break it down with uh, uh, kind of one of my favorite quotes at the moment going around, which is out of all the most unimportant things that's happening in the world, football is the most important thing. And it's just like football is that reminder or that lovely, pleasant thing that we all enjoy so much that we want to try and make football a key part of everything that we're trying to work with. But um Obviously, we can't do that at the moment. So if anything, you're looking more after the individual. So to be blunt, uh, like with my uh, deaf football national team, we're looking more after the players' well-being, making sure that they've got jobs, making sure that they're able to support their families, making sure that they're able to kind of still be active in whatever capacity that they can be. Um, We have our strength and conditioning coach who sent out kind of programs for them to be able to do at home. Thankfully, the team are kind of really well motivated that they will actually go about and do these successfully. Um, but again, it's kind of I'm, I'm trying to look after the mental well-being and the the social well-being of our athletes and trying to keep them as connected as possible. Trying to make sure that they've got enough government support to be able to get by and to be able to pay all the bills. Um, and in terms of uh, kind of a, a longer-term picture, in a way as sad as it kind of sounds, I feel like our national team is also kind of used to this in a way because we haven't participated in in an international tournament for the last five years. And for the last, uh, last year we had a tournament that was canceled that was meant to take place in Hong Kong. This year we've got a tournament, which is more than likely going to be canceled. So in a way we've kind of got used to the setbacks. And we're kind of used to get having to try and get over these little speed bumps along the way. So in a way, we've kind of already prepared for this. And we're just trying to make sure that the the athletes are, and are ready off the field more than they are ready on a field. Um, and in terms of kind of like that first session back, man, I'm just dreamy of what that session is going to be like. It's going to be amazing. We're just going to play like soccer tennis for like half an hour as our activations. We're going to do a whole lot of like really fun mini games. We've got like mini World Cups going on and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that first session back because that's going to be great times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Los Turries, what about you? Maybe Anna can go first. No, you can go. <laughs> she's she's yeah. going to be the long dramatic pause again. 
All right, Anna, we'll see you in 30 minutes. She is the Nick Rizzo of this house. You you know, kind of the silent Bob that just sits silently. And then there's this moment of absolute wisdom that comes out where you just, wow, that's deep. He likes to talk. I love how you're describing it silent because, like, I'm only silent compared to Sean. Like, I feel like I'm loud compared to everyone else in the world but Sean Satterley. I feel like that's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> a no, I, I, I think as I, I heard that, Nick. To, I heard that before you muted your mic. I, Nick just said, yeah, just a little bit before he muted his mic. I oh, heard nice. it. Go ahead. Um, so I think as Pete said, you, you know, that used to setbacks, that's something that unfortunately a lot of our families have experienced and a lot of our athletes feel like people have made promises or made commitments and not followed through with them. So that's one of the reasons I think that that we're really going to try to work with with our, our athletes and, and our, our VIP families to help them understand that, hey, this is a temporary. We're coming back and we're coming back strong. And we miss you deeply. Um, Some of the messaging I've thought about how to help them understand when they get back is things like hugs are very common in our program. Um, And we might have to talk a little bit more about, hey, it's going to be a a shadow high five for a couple of weeks. Um, It's going to be a new world. uh, But but I think our our athletes, they're resilient. There's a tenacity there. and, And we're just excited to get them back out. And uh, Stefan, what about you? Um, kind of going off of what we were talking about, I, I know with our kids, we're a big hug kind of uh, soccer team as well. So I think explaining to our kids that we've got to keep this just a little bit of a social distance with it, that'll be a difficult task with some of our kids, especially because we've had, we haven't seen a lot of our kids since the fall. At least I haven't seen. I know Sean has had some interaction with some of our, our players um, just recently, but I haven't seen our, any of our kids since the fall. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be hard for us in that respect. Um, but breaking how we're going to transition back, I think we'll hit the ground running. I think the good part is, is the kids know that soccer's soccer's coming. I think the more difficult thing is if we have to really postpone an entire season and we're not looking at coming back to the fall, that will be a difficult that thing for our kids low, because mama. our kids all know that we're up in the fall and we're up in the spring. But if this really does get pushed back where we're not going to have one in the spring. That's going to be even more difficult because now we're pushing out a year from the last time we had soccer with any of our kids. And that will be a difficult thing to try to explain to them is why we didn't, you know, for, for six weeks, we are a staple of these kids weekends and suddenly it's not there. Um, so that'll be a difficult task to explain to some of our kids. And I think, you know, coach Sean, myself and coach Mert is we have to kind of, as a, co- as a group of coaches, figure out how we were going to break this to my kids. I'm going to explain it to my own two sons that we have to, that soccer's on hold. Um, but those kids we don't have contact with every day or haven't seen in you know months, how do we do that? How do we share that information with them? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Let's go with Valerie. Oh, sorry. Let's go with David. Let's go to David. I didn't, I didn't can't even read That's my okay. own writing here. No worries. Go, so go ahead, David. I'm just going to take a, a statewide a, approach here in Florida. And one of the things that makes it difficult is that the rules are, this, are different in each municipality and county and city that we go based on field access and the facility access. And the other thing that's different is, you know, having never been through this before, any of us, 
how do we come out of it? Do we come out of it, you know, zero to a hundred, everything is, is a okay. Or do, do you come out of it with like, um, like Stefan was saying, or, or someone was saying, Hey, maybe the, the Tories were saying about taking it easy, taking it, keeping some sense of distance on it. I've got no idea what's going to happen as you come out the back end of this. Um, I think we're anxious to get, to get there, but uh, we're, at the end of the day, we've got to follow self uh, health and safety guidelines that are presented to us um, from our local, you know, leadership and, and, and parks folks. So, um, you know, uh, longer term, um, I think this does present some good, good uh, practices for us. You know, I always, I always have uh, the Purell at my local program, in addition to sunscreen and, and, and water and whatnot. And we always have issues on that kind of thing in a first aid kit. But I think from a from lessons learned is you know, take this health and, uh, you know, personal safety, personal cleanliness to, to heart uh, much more readily for all of our programs that, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. I think if we can learn from it, it'll help us. Absolutely. And let's go to Valerie now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I kind of feel the same way. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where our mindset is going to be, where our kids' mindset is going to be. I keep thinking, are we going to do high fives anymore? Is that going to be a thing of the past? Are we shaking hands anymore just socially as a whole, you know, everybody in society? Is that is that going to be gone now? Because, you know, a hug's almost better than a, a handshake nowadays, you know, what we've learned. And so how do you change these kids' mindsets when you're always like, hey, high five, or, you know, um, what's going to happen with that? How we have to change our language with them? Um, would we even be able to have top soccer? Like if a rec, if our rec league goes and decides to have their games, do we need to wait a couple more weeks because we're so hands-on with our kids and we have just a bigger group and us, you know, we have a, we're outside, so we have a bigger space, but like, I know other teams they have, they're in a gym, you know, you have a bunch of kids and volunteers in a gym, you're approaching 60, 80 people sometimes. Um, can you even do that? Whereas, you know, in a rec environment, you might be able to, um, and you know, those kids might listen when you say, okay, no high fives, like, you know, kind of keep to yourself. Like, what do we do? do we make the decision to go forward or do we make the decision we need to wait a little longer? And also what do we do for the parents of those kids who may be a little more medically fragile? You know, they don't want to get started. You know, how can we support them and their decisions? So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm excited to be back out there, you know, when it, when it does happen, but I think so many things are going to change between now and then, and we can't even I fathom what it's going to be like. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's pretty pretty uh, like good to think about that stuff because there are going to be a lot of differences and challenges that we face when everyone comes back. What is maybe some challenges that you guys are already starting to prepare for when people start being able to come back and you start being able to work with your athletes again? Well, if it's okay, go ahead, Val. I guess I would say one of our biggest problems coming back would be getting buddies because we have had struggles just having buddies in general. And then coming back from the break, many people will probably want to focus on their playing career because we mainly only have players. So that's just something we need to work on getting more buddies, especially more my age, too. 
No, that, I mean, that's a really good point. And definitely, like, be, be, like, Anna, I feel like we're all, like, incredibly impressed every time you talk. Um, Sean, Sean, can you build off that? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you know, Anna brings up a great, you know, great topic there is one, you're going to have players who are going to want to probably spend uh, uh, double, you know, double down on their training um, as soon as they, they can, which is going to limit their availability uh, to serve as volunteers. Um, they also may feel um, nervous to interact in the same way that they have in the past. Um, you know, I think we're probably going to develop a new normal, um, you know, after this situation. So um, I think, you know, hand sanitizers when you walk in the door, you know, hand sanitizer when you walk out the door um, and just, you know, maybe we'll take a, a page from our, um, you know, our, our friends in the, in the, in, in Asia and, you know, move towards bows more than actual physical contact tact with, um, with each other when we acknowledge each other. Um, but, uh, it's hard to, um, you plan, it's hard to plan for how we, how we're going to address this new situation as it continues to develop. Um, you know, it, for those of us that play outside, I think, you know, you're a little less concerned with uh, an airborne contagion than you would be if you play inside. I play inside. So um, that's going to be on my mind um, as well. So uh, I'm kind of hoping that, um, you know, when we get through all this, that um, we make some small changes, nothing too drastic um, that's really going to um keep the, the the socialization that we want because that's that's a big piece of what we're missing um you know we want our kids to be active during this time but it's the socialization part that is really the most i think uh impactful for our kids that are that are playing um and it's the dynamic is going to change we know it's going to change uh we just don't know how how much and it's tough to you know, tough to guess. So I think we're just going to have to, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable for a little while until we kind of establish what kind of, you know, new protocols that will be developed. I think, you know, it'll, by the end of the year, I think everybody's probably going to be sharing best practices on, on how they are interacting with each other. I think it's going to be a big topic going forward. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball that's going to give me the answers. But we're gonna, we're just we're going to try our best, and we'll um, we may go a little uh, you know um, overzealous on uh, on keeping it safe initially. Um, I, I, at least I expect that you know most people will. Yeah, jumping on what. Jumping on what Sean said and what Anna said relative to our volunteer uh, buddies and, and others, you know, I, I've never had the question, is top soccer safe as a volunteer activity? The high school kids that I get and recruit are not typically soccer players. They're the honor society, the IB kids looking for cast hours, that kind of thing. And for years, my my message or my uh, 
pitch, if you will, was, hey, do you want to be, you know, by yourself on a roadside or on the beach picking up trash or on a riverbed? Or wouldn't you rather be out having fun with kids, playing soccer, getting some activity and having a good time? And, you know, until we're completely out of the woods here, and hopefully it, we'll get to that point, um, I'm going to have to deal with that issue about recruiting volunteers that do I need to kind of say, hey, top soccer is safe. Here's, here's what we put in place to be safe. Um, certainly social distancing is not, uh, the six foot rule would never, you know, be practical on top soccer. So we have to get past that. But uh, it's just it, like uh, to, to Sean's point, I've, we've got to get, you know, be comfortable or get comfortable being uncomfortable, if you will, with this in particular. It's, it was a really uh, interesting point earlier. I'm going to jump in and ask a question. Does kind of like top soccer expect to have the same kind of burst of interest um, or at least um, more people who are engaging with the programs after a Paralympic uh, campaign? I know that having uh, spoken to a couple of the guys here in uh, the Australian Paralympic Committee, they're expecting a lot of our sports to really um, kind of boom with interest or at least more programs be more... uh, more advertised after a Paralympic campaign. I don't know, um, like, David, do you want to jump in first and just go, um, what's something that's kind of you might have seen or Sean, maybe with yourself, um, do you get the same kind of interest about your programs? That's a great point, Pete. And um, I, I've been involved with my local program for almost 14 years now. Um, I, I am guilty for not promoting the Paralympic sports to my players and their families. Um, and on the, on the flip side of that, I have not seen any kind of uptick or increased interest due to that, or due to, you know, due to an Olympics, Paralympics campaign. Now in the States, um, only in the last uh, two or three years did the official Olympic committee change their name to include Paralympic Committee. I think that will be a first step in things. And the fact that um, when the Olympics comes to Los Angeles, I forget how many years away it is now, but uh, I think I would definitely like to see that be a catalyst for increased participation and awareness, you know, across the coast and across the country with these kind of programs. But um, to answer the question quickly, I've not seen any kind of uptick, Pete. And uh, I do think I've been missing the boat in terms of promoting, you know, what, you know, promoting these Paralympic sports, not just um, like CT soccer or the Olympic national team soccer, the, the seven aside, but other things like deaf soccer and blind soccer. Um, does, this time, does this time now kind of give you – you know, I, as you said, you know, David, you haven't really like promoted, but does this kind of time away now give you more time? And I know Sean, we, we kind of talked about this before about the promotion of top soccer. Um, you know, is, is now the time to kind of get that, that message out and, and talk about your program and get more people involved? Um, I, I, I'm going to answer your question first and then, and then go back to, um, to the previous question post about Paralympic soccer. Um, I would say yes and no. I mean, we, interesting. I like I have a little bit more time, Sean, to um, to promote, but uh, I'm still working, and I still have a son with special needs who is uh, home all day, 
and needs to be entertained and needs to be um, is struggling with the e-learning process. Um, well, he's entertaining. Well, yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, and the uh, so so it's I have I have some time available, and I've definitely been working on some things to you know to to help um, with the you know reach more people. Um, I will say with the Paralympic community, um, it's a in my you know and and Dan's not going to like my 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 answer here. Um, I think with top soccer, we're, we're, we're so busy trying to build numbers um, that we're going primarily after the low hanging fruit, um, which is uh, getting, getting the intellectual dis disabled kids uh, involved. I mean, there, there's just so many more of them. Um, and I'm involved with Paralympic soccer locally here in Chicago. And as much as I promote it, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get like 15 kids out of a, you know, a city of 8 million people. Um, so it's, they make up a very small portion of most programs. I would say you're lucky if maybe 10% of your, um, of your top soccer player community would actually be eligible as a um, Paralympic player, um, first, you know, it's, it's, it's really only three diagnoses. It's cerebral palsy, stroke, and TBI. And on top of that, they have to be ambulatory as well. So um, it's, it's tough to find the players. Um, it's tough. And, and oftentimes they'll, they'll want to play uh, within their own community as well. So there's good programs like CP soccer, um, here in Chicago, we're running a, a joint venture with Illinois Youth Soccer and the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab. Um, we're just calling it the Paralympic Development Program. Um, but it's it's still it doesn't seem to generate the kind of excitement I wish it would. Um, I, I do I do reach out to try to promote these programs and uh, it's not getting a lot i'm not having a lot of luck i'm kind of you know striking out a lot which sucks because i because i definitely want to serve this community as well uh we see an opportunity to serve these players both on a grassroots level with top soccer and then also a disability specific level uh with with a paralympic soccer program um but we're just really just struggling the Paralympic program has uh, changed for this year and onwards. So no longer is it the CP football seven aside, it's now vision impaired football five aside. So because of that, there might be a better opportunity to kind of link up with uh, Paralympic committees or um, other organizations to develop athletes. And it might be like, a benefactor that they're, they're playing soccer and doing soccer specific activities but i don't know sean like I'm, i've been staring at your twitter feed and your instagram and uh, like facebook stuff and going these are all really cool things that you're doing with like your son and with jake and seeing all the actions that he's doing like some of it is soccer specific but most of it it's just being an athlete or just being um a participant in uh, physical uh, physical activities, so I feel like it's not so much uh, kind of like a 
it, for me personally, I don't think it's like a barrier. I think that, yeah, it's obviously tough to be able to talk to the Paralympic Committee. I know that here in Australia, it took me a heck of a long time of sending off emails to get anyone to even invite me along to one of their conferences. But once you got there in the doorway, I was just like, right, what else can we do to just benefit athletes? I don't care about whether or not they're footballers. I just want athletes and then we'll make them into footballers if they're keen. Or like it might make them a better goalball player or it might make them a better uh, vision impaired basketballer or something like that. Just whatever other sport that we possibly could. Well, and therein lies, I think, maybe the um, you, you know, the definition of Paralympic uh, within Australia versus uh, America. I mean, it, as far as soccer is concerned, uh, Paralympic is, it, it's limited to those, those three diagnoses. Um, so we, you know, the, the, the blind community, that, that's a whole different pathway, a whole different group of people uh, that need to be served. Um, we're incredibly disconnected and those, ex, what we'll I'll call the extended national teams. Um, we just got the deaf um, soccer uh, program to be sanctioned by the Federation. So now they're going to start, you know, wearing the same, um, the same crest as our seven aside Paralympic team is, but we still don't have that with our blind community. Um, we don't have that with our power soccer community who um who are awesome they're three-time world cup winners and they're the best team nobody knows about uh in america and it's 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 everything's so fractured um and it's not cohesive and i, and I think perhaps in australia it it may things may be better aligned in that regard um through the FFA versus uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, you know, I think that's it's it's a tough area. I'm, I'm trying to break into it. I'm trying to learn it, um, and it's uh, it's 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 a slow learning process. And just just getting to know the right people is, is difficult. Getting getting on their radar. Um, in the meantime, while I'm waiting for that to happen, I, I'm still moving forward with what I can do locally um, to to make things happen. So. Um, I'm just going to keep, uh, doing what I think is best and, and hopefully I can get it, um, aligned properly so that, um, the pathways to play at a national team level, um, start, uh, becoming relevant, uh, here in America. I, I think Sean, as, as you said, uh, kind of what I was thinking with Pete speaking, um, the whole idea is our, we're not going to see the explosion in adaptive and inclusive soccer as a result of the activity. Because those of us who know that, that Paralympics exist, we're already seeking that information out. And I think you get at that base of until this is as popular as turning on the television and seeing men's national team, women's national team, um, when media gives it as much attention on ESPN as perhaps the the Nathan's hot dog eating competition on the 4th of July, then we'll have athletes that get excited about it. Absolutely. And you just brought a very good point up. I know for myself, I've noticed, and maybe it's just the team specific um, person that does it, but I've seen more online content about the U S Paralympic team 
than I've seen ever before, just in the last year or so. And their content is really, really good. Now, maybe it's just because I'm following it, I'm seeing it more often, but I mean, like their content is right up there with the men's and women's senior national teams. So, you know, is that, is that kind of the start? Maybe we, maybe it's a, you know, the, the longest journey starts with a single step. Maybe that, that pathway that you're speaking of, Sean, is we start by putting this light on the Paralympic team. Um, I remember, I want to say I started following them because um, I saw something with, uh, with Stuart Sharp once, got, uh, got into it, started following it, and I remember seeing some game that they were playing uh, and then just kind of really fell in love with it from there. Uh, they did a lot of behind-the-scenes um, YouTube content on what, you know, what the members uh, are like, what a day in their life is like, what's it like training, what are the things that they go through, not just as athletes, but as human beings. So is it, I, you know, I'm just kind of thinking from a marketing perspective on US Soccer's part, is it maybe it's a slow burn? Are they trying to really build this up with the Paralympic team? And then once we can get that team viewed by everyone in our country, then they make their way to the next team. It's okay, now we've built up our national programs, we built up the Paralympic program. Now let's take the blind program or let's take the deaf program, whatever it may be. You know, is that, could that possibly be a, a mindset maybe? Um, well, yeah, I, I would say yes. And um, it also helps. I mean, everyone loves a winner, Sean. Um, our Paralympic team has been pretty successful as well. So they've had some, uh, they had a, a tremendous run in the World Cup. Um, is it, last is it that yeah. wasn't he on the team? Like that's his big joke. That he talks about like he was on the team. Oh, Josh Blue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he he wouldn't even make the team nowadays. Um, you know, even even in his uh, best form back in the day, um, the the team is incredibly athletic. Um, they, you know, it's some of the players that they get, and I, I don't know what the percentage is, but if if I were to guess, I would say about half the team is probably made up of. Um, former, uh, very excellent athletes who suffered uh, a traumatic brain injury, usually in the armed forces. Um, so when they've rehabbed and they've gotten them back into athletic shape, um, they're not eligible to play. So uh, some of our best players um, on the Paralympic team um, didn't grow up necessarily um, as an eligible athlete for, for Paralympic soccer as a youth player. So, um, so again, it's just hard, hard to find the players. Um, I, I, I know there was a recent, uh, player. He's a, yeah, he's a teenager, 16, 17 years old. Um, he actually played high school with our old friend, Kirk Brazo out in Toledo. Oh, okay. Um, Kirk mentioned him to me and then mentioned that he had CP. And I said, oh, my God. So I got on the horn with Stuart Sharp and I said, hey, here's this little uh, video story about this player. Maybe he's worth a look. Um, they brought him into training camp. I think he did really well. Um, but we wouldn't have found him any other way because he didn't really um, he didn't identify himself as a Paralympic athlete um, at that time because he was playing, you know, he was starting for a high school team. Um a lot of challenges is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to get that going. Um, but I think that, you know, each disability specific organization in America, at least, um, they have their, their, their separate organizations doing things their own way. 
um, again, it's, it's not as well aligned as I think it should be. Um, I don't think we've fielded a blind soccer team in an international game ever. Um, I, I don't think we have, um, we're working on it. Um, but is, you know, it's definitely, um, we're not there yet, which is, which is sad. I hope, I hope that changes in the near future. Um, it sounds to me, pardon my French, but it sounds like the, the Aussies got their shit together. Um, well played. And that's, <laughs> and, uh, certainly having, um, oh, Pete, cover your ears, uh, Anna. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, Pete, Pete's on top of it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, um, inspired every time i i see his posts or i hear him talk um you, you're not going to find a a bigger advocate of um blind and deaf soccer i i think in the world um and you know so you know just having him in you know in my back pocket as far as a resource i can call out to i think is going to pay out huge dividends eventually here in the states Anytime, anytime. You know, you guys got my number. Anytime I can help out, you know where to find me. Happy to help out, man. And like I say, look, Australia against USA. It's the, it's the Soccer Chat Cup of 2021. It's going to happen. We're going to like mark it in yeah. diaries. It'll be the first international tournament of USA, first international tournament of Australia. Mate, we'll make it happen. Nick okay, and I have the commentary. If our if our friend uh, Stacy Chrysokakis is on your team, I'm gonna I'm gonna double foot him. You know, <laughs> just to even the playing field. You can tell him that. And and before we get into the kind of the last question, and I kind of hit on this earlier uh, with Pete, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna put him over pretty big here. So as I mentioned, you know, the FIFA World Cup does a video on you and about your work that you've done with your teams in Australia. How did that come about and did that gain any attention where people were reaching out to you asking you, hey, how can I get involved with something like this or how can I get something like this in my own community? Uh, so how do I get about to coaching them, do you mean, Sean, or how do I get about no, no, the I mean, video like, being yeah, uh, produced? Yeah, did, 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 did you get an email from FIFA that was like, Coach Pete, we want to feature you <laughs> on the video on the official FIFA World Cup Twitter account seen by 500,000 million followers. Well, in a way, kind of like it was a really weird thing whereby actually last year I got a um, Instagram message from FIFA saying, Hey, what are you doing next weekend? Do you want to come to Italy? Um, and I kind of just jumped on a plane and went to Italy. Um, so I ended up going across for the women's world cup technical conference. And when I was there, I was able to talk to, uh, pretty much a whole lot of guys at FIFA about the programs that we're trying to run in Australia and what things are going on. Uh, and it was at that time that they basically just went, okay, can we stick a camera in front of you and uh, film some of the things and have like a little bit of a, a bio? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, nothing will probably come of it, but let, yeah, let's just make up something. So a uh, quick little video, about two and a half, three minutes or something like that, and talks about some of the things that – we do in our programs and kind of how people could reach out to us. Thankfully, um, we're pretty active on uh, social media, especially through our Facebook page. So if anyone's keen on finding out more about the Australian blind or the Australian deaf football teams, uh, check us out on Facebook and give us a, a like and a follow there and that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll hopefully have some more videos and some more info coming out soon. Um, we've also had with our deaf football team, we've even had our, uh, kind of 
Fox Sports came along with a, a camera and filmed one of our training games and trial games uh, late last year. So that was really cool. Um, and yeah, just basically the more people can kind of reach out, whether it's to me personally on Twitter or it's to everyone messaging uh, the Facebook pages, uh, more than happy to share as many resources that come my way. I'm pretty much trying to write my own curriculum of how to coach blind football um, and how to uh, kind of coach deaf football as well, especially trying to create my own uh, keyword language. Uh, so, yeah, basically I'm happy to always jump on a WhatsApp call or a Scott call with anyone to uh, work out what's what's going on, how I can kind of help programs and share knowledge. I, I feel like we're all trying to reach the same thing. We might just be doing it in slightly different ways, but we're all trying to get to the same end point at some way. Yeah. And, you know, and what kind of as we, as we close here, you know, always, always in and on a fresh note, we got to always got to put a smile on our face. And, and when I say this question, I know you're going to think of something, uh, everyone, and you're going to smile from ear to ear. And so what I'd like for you to do is um, give everybody who's listening to this your favorite moment you've ever had from your program, you know, something with an athlete or something from your program that if someone was to ask you, you to give you one moment of what your program is like, uh, what would it be? And then also kind of give everybody, if they want to get involved with you, with your programs, or they want to know more, how can they do so? Whether it's a Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever it may be. Uh, so we'll start with Valerie, your favorite moment in your time with your program and how can people get in contact with you to get involved? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, everyone has so many favorite moments. I'd say my favorite moment, it's, well, I, I'm a rec soccer coach, too. So there's always a point, I think, any soccer coach where you realize you've lost control of the team. And, you know, um, and that should be no different in a top soccer program because they're just kids. They're out there having fun playing soccer like any other team. So I think my favorite moment was one of the last practices, maybe the last practice of last, um, our last fall and um we had the kids all over the field they were doing different activities we were kind of um split off after we were done with one of our activities and then it was actually my son he was in the kind of the dirt by the goal and he's taking cones and he's like pretending they're rocket ships and um I think just before them, we were kicking the balls into the cones. So he's taking these cones, pretending there's rocket ships and there's the moon dust all around the, the goal. And then slowly all the other children, just all the other players just came and they were pretending they're, you know, they were rocket ships and moon dust. And they were all next to each other, not really playing soccer, not with the soccer ball, but there was about 10 of them. Almost every player we had that day was right there, had saw what he was doing, thought that was fun. And let's all go kind of play in the dirt. And you know what? I lost control of practice and it was the most wonderful thing because they were all engaged in, in just having fun with some equipment and enjoying each other and playing next to each other. And it was, it was just a nice moment where we just sat, you know, the coaches and just the buddies and we kind of kind of stepped back and let them do their thing. And so I think that was one of my favorite moments um, just to let loose and let them see, see what happens. And it was dirty and, and that's okay because they had a good time. Um, as far as contacting us, um, you can um, email me at topsoccer um, at saa-online.com. Also, you can find us on Facebook at uh, SAA Top Soccer. Or um, yes, SAA Top Soccer. Awesome. And David, what about you? What's been a what's been a moment, and how can people contact you? Sure, Sean. Thank you. Um, my favorite moment goes back to a time when 
I had, uh, when, and my kids are, are what you might say neurotypical, so I'm not a parent of a special needs child, but one of my players in my winter season, uh, a, a lovely young lady, um, was about the same age as my, my daughter. My daughter was going to be playing recreational soccer in a spring season. And I asked this, this girl if she wanted to play regular recreational soccer and kind of make that transition from tops to rec. And she did. And her parents um, were on board with it. And I agreed to coach that recreational team. So uh, successfully transitioned her into a rec program. Uh, she had a great time. The, uh, her teammates, uh, my daughter and the other girls in the, on the all-girls team had a great time. And I was just really proud of the fact that, um, you know, we talk about pathways and and opportunities. And this is not something that's going to be, you know, huge, but it was something to get them more mainstream, to get her more mainstream. And so the success of that really left me with a good feeling. And she had a a tremendous time. And it was just a great, uh, great, uh, great event. Um, As far as getting a hold of me, uh, D. Robinson at... FYSA, which is Florida Youth Soccer Association, FYSA.com. And then our Facebook is Braden River Top Soccer. Awesome. No problem. No, thank you, David. Uh, Let's go with, I lost my train here. Here we go with David. Or we just did that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm so focused on talking about Los Turi. Uh, There who up? There who's up? Anna. Nina de los Ture, what's been your favorite moment uh, with top soccer? And then we'll go to Padre de los Ture. So I kind of have two, I guess. Every Halloween. Well, I mean, we you haven't to- talked much already tonight, so you can get two stories in. That's okay. Okay. Every ha- Halloween, we do a trunk retreating with all the kids, and they all dress up. And then all the trunks are decorated, and they hand out candy, and they're just having so much fun. And then on Easter... We do a little like egg thing. We hide, we put eggs all over another field, and each player gets two or three eggs, and they get a little token. They turn it into us, and they get a little gift bag or something. Awesome, awesome. What about what about Padre? So I I think uh, you know there's there's kind of two that stand out for me as well, and and one is just the the player who um, ends up having to leave. Uh, because of uh, surgery, and and you're just kind of wondering into the back of your mind. I mean, you're not hearing anything from parents. You miss this kiddo, and then all of a sudden you see him coming back with his crutches and biggest smile on his face, and watching that de- athlete develop over over a couple of months. Um, but but uh, the other really touching moment was there there was a, a young man about a year ago uh, that Anna taught goalkeeper to. Um, who, who works with cerebral palsy and, you know, we, we cradled him and got him to the place where first we're doing it together, kind of holding him and walking him through. And then by the end, he's doing a few on his own, uh, of dives across the goal. So, uh, brightest smile on his face. We're all laughing. We're all having a great time. Um, we're happy to support and connect with anyone. Of, of course, uh, you know, the la- spelling of our last name, Turi, is is not really easy to get across. So um, watch for us on Soccer Chat just about every Wednesday. Um, Thanks for or the you plug. Can send a, 
uh, send an email to VIP at AYSO-CR.org. So that's AYSO Cedar Rapids, AYSO-CR.org. Does that stand for a very important Padre? Uh, very important player. Okay. So. I thought maybe it was your direct email and you were already, you were already in on it. Uh, I'm just wondering why he, he doesn't have the podcast. I mean, hear his voice. He's got the perfect voice for it. You know, your, your internal family conflict is not to be raised right now, Anna. This is not the time. It's always a time. I'm being quarantined with him now. We, we, we've got all sorts of stories, like the, the one college coach that says she, she likes to watch how uh, parents and players interact, and I'm like, oh, she saw how you treated me. Yeah. Oh, she probably would go right along with it. Yeah. Well, it, it's, a, it's a good thing that uh, you have walls that can keep you two bound together. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Stefan, what about you, my man? So I got a hundred great memories just in the short time I've been involved with Chicago Thompson Acker. But uh, one of the biggest things is I think it was the first year I was coaching with Sean and uh, we decided we wanted to host a first responders game. So we wanted our buddies for that event with our kids to be our local police department and fire department, me being part of that police department. So what we did is we recruited our officers and our firefighters and they were the buddies for the day. We kind of, the goal was twofold. Number one, to kind of build a relationship with, our families of our children with special needs in our community so that they understand our role as a first responder and then for our first responders to learn that these kids have a, amazing unique qualities but they're no different than kids um so that we did is we you know we paired our players up with our buddies and our uh, police and firefighters from uh the town we host them um and then we actually had a game um, with some of our other kids and it was And after the event, we had a huge touch of trucks. So the, our players and families were able to climb on the fire trucks and sit in the police cars and interact with our officers. Um, and it's really become just a highlight of our season, um, not so, even for our players and families, but even for my, the police officers that I work with and firefighters in our community. It is the highlight of our season um, each year for our kids. Um, so for me, it was that first year we did it. Um, Sean was awesome enough to open his doors and let my police department and our firefighters come in and be part of this amazing organization. Um, so for me, that first year we had our first responders game is the best. And every year it just builds and builds and builds. And if our season goes this year, this will be the fourth year that we've done it. So cross um, that we can get our season in, but that is the biggest memory for me with our program. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if somebody wants to reach out to you about getting involved with Chicago top soccer, how can they do so to seven? So I'll kind of defer to Sean a little bit on that one, but um, you can reach us on at www.chicagotopsoccer.com or on Facebook, Chicago Top Soccer. And then for email, I'll defer to Sean because he is the point of contact. <laughs> well, I, th I think Sean would be proud of, of how you handled that one. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just um, I'd love everything that that you guys have been doing. And, and obviously, Pete, you know, you've got so many stories uh, and I'm going to limit you to one. Uh, cause we talked about your amazing video on the FIFA world cup. If you got two, you got two, that's fine. I was really going to let Stefan go through all hundred and just let this go all night because uh, Padre dos, uh, uh, Padre de los Turis wanted to talk till 2 AM. Uh, so Pete, what's, uh, what's been a favorite memory of yours and, uh, for anyone in Australia who wants to get in contact with that, I know you threw some plugs out a while ago, but go ahead and, and uh, plug back in. That's cool. I won't do a uh, anatory and do two stories. I'll just do one. So uh, I'll just make it short and sweet. Um, so I'll, I'll just 
basically just say uh, one of the coolest things was when I initially started off with Deaf Football Australia, uh, we only had one player who was uh, completely deaf. And so he was the only one who needed to communicate using sign language in Auslan. Um, now in our national team, we actually have eight players. So what we started doing is running classes at each of our uh, programs. And each time we get together as a national team, we run classes in Auslan. So that way all the players can now at least kind of do the hi, my, like, how are you? And they can do, like, my name is uh, P-E-T-E, and we can spell your names, and we can do our little sign language that way. And that, to me, is just the coolest thing, that we, we're actually starting to communicate better as a national team, that all of our players are much more inclusive, that uh, it's a much more welcoming environment, the fact that no one is really isolated in any way. Uh, so that, to me, is just the coolest thing about that program. So if anyone's keen on finding out more about Deaf Football Australia, you can obviously find us on uh, Facebook. So just type in Deaf Football Australia. Uh, likewise, uh, Australian Blind Football uh, is another Facebook page that you should check out. And if you basically want to reach out to me at all, you obviously uh, feel free to find me on Twitter. That's probably where I'm most active, especially since now I'm locked into my own house. Um, just find me as at... Pete Novakovsky, so P-E-T-E-N-O-W-A-K-O-W-S-K-I. Awesome, awesome. And I, and I would be remiss if we didn't mention your amazing Dutik brand shirt that you're wearing in this video. Hey, branding. It's all about the branding right here, right? Yeah, yeah. So, now, you know, I talked to Adelaide earlier today, so now Tiffany, she can't be mad at me. Anna, do you have the shirt on too? Can, we, can you confirm that? No? Anna was checking. She did not know what shirt she was wearing today. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you can confirm. I got a camp shutout shirt on. There you go. Shout out to Stan Anderson and the man, one of one of my my favorite people. And I can't thank him enough for uh, for introducing me uh, to adaptive soccer, for getting me uh, involved and making me fall in love with the sport and the athletes of adaptive soccer. Uh, Mr. Sean Danhauser, your favorite moment and how can people get involved? Uh, well, Steph actually stole my favorite, favorite oh, moment, Steph. which, which he fully deserves. Cause he, he did all the heavy lifting on, on making that happen, but it's, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the, the very first, first responder day we had was absolutely amazing. The subsequent ones have been great too. Um, so if I have to pick a, a second favorite, um, moment uh it would have been uh we we do a uh we started a new tradition at usu soccer um at the midwest regional championships um they play uh group play for the first two days typically um uh saturday and sunday um and then uh, they have a day off on monday um, the teams that don't qualify for the semifinals go home, uh, and the, it's a day of rest for everyone before they, they, uh, the, for play continues for the, the teams remaining. Um, so they started hosting a couple years ago, a, uh, top soccer event during the regional championships. And, um, the first one was in Indianapolis and, uh, we actually got the entire, um, the group of referees is probably at least a hundred referees um, to serve as our, our buddies. And um, they, you know, we, we actually had way more referees than we had players. Um, 
And they couldn't have been better fans of the game. They did the Viking claps. Um, they, they, they absolutely cheered on every single player at every single game. And, uh, you know, my son Jake was, uh, ah, he was into it. He was out of it throughout the day. Um, but during one of the periods where he was out of it, they kind of adopted him as a referee and they gave him a flag and he basically went up and down the sidelines with them, um, calling fouls uh, with them. And he was having the best time ever. Uh, I haven't seen a bigger smile on his face. Um, so that's got to rank right up there as well, just because it was just such a cool event. The energy was so high. Uh, the parents were absolutely blown away um, with the involvement that the referees had and the cheering. It was, it was, the noise was almost deafening at times and it was fantastic and the kids loved it. So, uh, that was the, my second favorite, um, uh, top soccer moment. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, gosh, we need more people uh, getting involved. So, uh, I'm happy to help, um, get, get anyone started anywhere. And, uh, if you want to reach out to me, uh, probably the easiest way is, uh, Twitter. Um, I'm at tops coach, tops coach, Sean, um, otherwise, I would suggest just visiting the www.chicagotopsoccer.com. Uh, go to the contact page. Um, my email's there. My phone number's there. Um, you won't remember it or write it down right correctly anyways, um, the way I spell it. So, um, you know, just please. I think I, I think I can speak for everybody on this, this call, um, whether it's Top Soccer or VIP or any other adaptive programming, um, get involved, get others involved and reach out to any one of us. We will hook you up. So we'll get you going. Thank you for this platform, by the way, Sean, thank you for getting us all together. Super, uh, um, super enlightening, learning things from each other and, uh, got some great ideas from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like like, uh, Nick and I both said, we've, we've already picked up stuff that we can do with our own programs. And and obviously like uh, everybody who listens to our show knows we, you know, we echo the same thing as Sean. If there's a program in your area, get involved. If there's not a program in your area, get one started. I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get that trademarked and then Sean can use it from me here on out. Uh, thank you to everyone for coming on. Stefan, Valerie, David, uh, Pete, Sean, Nick, and De Los Turis, uh, for, for coming on here with us. Uh, and again, everybody, thank you so much, not just for being on the show, but thank you for what you do for our athletes uh, in adaptive soccer and giving them a place uh, to play and encouraging others to, to get involved. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, one, such an incredible interview. And I think that I like a big takeaway for me out of it initially was just trying to understand that, like that there's always people going through more difficult times than you are. Like, I mean, obviously, like I'm having difficulty with my college soccer team and everyone is around the country to talk to these these coaches that are working with players that don't even really maybe have a grasp of what's going on it, it's it, just working with that community is absolutely incredible and I, I I love the way that they refer to it as adaptive soccer community I love that that's the 
the word choice because that's exactly what it is. It's the, there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of these players. They are incredible players in their own right. And just to continue to work with the, these groups of human beings to become better and better soccer players. I mean, we, we're very lucky that we've gotten to meet these coaches and meet some of these athletes because it's, I mean, they're, they're just incredible all around. It's absolutely, it's absolutely just unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah. And as we've, we've said numerous times, uh, whenever we've done something with top soccer or adaptive soccer is if there's one of these organizations around you, get involved. And if there's not get one started, uh, you'll be very, very, uh, happy that you did. Um, you know, also, uh, big shout to everybody who's been doing, uh, we, we started a college coaches Skype call, uh, that's every Tuesday night at, uh, eight o'clock or, uh, uh, Seven Central. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where we just get on and, and we had, we've had some really good conversations. Those will be coming up, uh, here in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully everybody checked out the show last week. If you haven't, if you're listening to this right now and you did not listen to the McMurray, uh, show last week, go on and listen. I, we cannot stress enough. Uh, you know, here we're dealing with all this going on and these are two coaches who, um, now are looking for new jobs. Their players are looking for uh, new places to play as the school has, shut its doors down uh completely uh so make sure you go back check that one out uh and and shout out to uh, to those guys so that way uh, if there's something that you can do to help their players uh or even help them uh just just give them a shout if you wouldn't mind for us for john and gabe over there at mcmurray big uh, big big shots to those guys um just what a awesome week of soccer chat uh twitter chat is 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 doing so well right now uh, we're really enjoying the conversation with everybody. You can do that. Uh, it's every single Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. I always have to remind myself of the Eastern time because Nick and I are both on Central time. Uh, we are. Some great, great questions uh, coming through. And actually, as of this coming out on Thursday, I know everybody's been doing these. Uh, Nick, have you seen these? Uh, which house would you live in with like three people or three or four people yeah. that are in it? I was actually going to do it with our team, but – I didn't want people to feel bad about not getting their house picked. Yeah, that would be a, a wise decision. So here's what I want to do. I want to release on, let's see, this will come out on Thursday. I want to release this weekend uh, a house where, Nick, I want you to make a two houses with soccer chat guests and put okay. yourself in one of those houses. I will make two houses with soccer chat guests and include myself in one of those houses. Um, and then we'll put those up and let people choose which house that they would, uh, they'd want to stay in during quarantine. Uh, and, and we'll do that ourselves. So let's say, I think a good number would be five people in a house. Okay. I've seen five like that. That's, that's pretty fair. You uh, realize no one's going to pick our houses. Like whatever house that you and me choose, they're going to be looking at that other five. Yeah, but I feel like I can – I think there's some variables in this that when I've been looking at these things um, that have went through my mind and I'm like, oh, yeah, no one's thinking about that. So I think depending on who you choose – and I'm going to let you choose your two houses first. Okay, so um, you, like I, that's what I was going to say. I feel like we're going to have conflictual ones because Dibs Becky Burley. Um, um, th that's fine. Yeah, you, you can take Becky. Um I, um, but now the thing is, do you put her in your house or do you put her in a different house? Oh no, I'm hanging out with Becky. Okay. Um, 
I I mean I mean do we need to do it like through text messaging? We're like okay. I feel like draft? we should do a draft. Yeah, I think the draft okay. is the fairest route because like if I take like nine really good ones, like I mean it, like it, I I just don't feel that's a fair. Route. I think a draft is the best route we go. Yeah, but we've also got like 136 shows to choose from. That's also true. I mean, I like I believe me, I'm not opposed to you letting me pick my nine first. Don't get me wrong. I just <laughs> I just want to make sure we're doing like I'm being as fair as possible. Okay, so we'll do a draft. Uh, and remember that one of the two houses that you get are, are you are actually in it. Um, and then uh, yeah, so let's do that. Um, we'll do that this week. We will get those houses out on Saturday. Uh, so Nick and I, that'll give us time to really go back and think uh, about the people that, that, that's been on the show. Uh, and just for everyone's uh, acknowledgement, we include everyone in these houses. We don't uh, segregate or uh, keep people away from these houses. <laughs> these houses are for everyone. Let me rephrase that. These you know houses are. are for everyone, no matter what you look like, who you are, where you are. Uh, these houses will be for you, but we can only choose so many. We can only choose nine people. Uh, and so unfortunately both of us have to be in one of a, one of the houses. So, uh, we'll choose nine people. I uh, will put that out. Uh, and I'm, I'm very interested because like I said, I, I've been studying this whole thing and there are all these, uh, all these pictures with these houses. There are some low key bangers that people don't really think about, uh, when looking at it. So that's the route I'm going to go uh, for the house that I will be in is the house that low key just is, is going to bang with no one really would think about it. So that's a little bit of my strategy. Um, it's a good strategy. I mean, is, again, I'm over, I'm over one of my last week's competitions. So <laughs> Kelly's killing me and taking the ride. So I, I need a win this week. Well, you, you won the conference championship. That's true. No, I'm saying this week. Like I need a win this week. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. So in that case, um, I already know what I'm up against because you already told me what your number one pick was. Uh, yeah, that's and I, and you know what? I, I raised that because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of people to share a house with. And you already told me your first one. And I told you that mine is about low key, uh, a good time. I think I've got some aces up my sleeve uh, that uh, are, are going to make you go, dang, I should have thought about that. And then it will make you want to leave your house to come to our house. That's, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm pretty loyal to the people in my house. So gonna, I know. So I, that's I, why I know exactly who you're going to pick. <laughs> I, and so it, th that's why I said that like, gets all good. Like this will be fantastic. So since you just drafted Becky, uh, I will send you my first draft pick uh, here in a little bit, and then we'll get this going. And then on Saturday, we will release those uh, for everyone to where you can pick which soccer house, which soccer house, which soccer chat house you would want to be quarantined in. Uh, shout out to all of our friends who are supporting the show, supporting what we do. Uh, without you guys, we could not be doing this. Um, it is, you know, our big friends over at Dutik Brand. Obviously, check them out, dutikbrand.com. Use the soccer code. Use the promo code. What is with me this evening? Uh, use the promo code SOCCERCHAT at checkout. A shout out to our friends over at Torx, T-O-R-R-X.com. Let them know 
with the soccer chat guy sent you in. Give him a nice five-star rating and review on Amazon. And Alice Riley and the mates over at Soccer IQ One. Check them out. A lot of people have been uh, tweeting about uh, they've been using Soccer IQ during this downtime uh, of the pandemic, sharing that stuff with their teams. Uh, we suggest go on and check them out. And also, big shout out to Alice. Big things happening for that guy. New job, moving to the West Coast. Uh, and, and just really, really excited uh, for our man, Alice Riley. He's Nick. I'm Sean. And Nick, I completely forgot to ask you how people can get a hold of you on Twitter. At Coach N. Rizzo. What about you, brother? And mine is at Coach Sardinelli. It's more than just a podcast. It's more than just a tour chat. It's more than just a network and a community and a family. This soccer chat, the best part about all of it is that we get to do it again next week. As I was saying, he's Nick. I'm Sean. Nick, we'll catch you later. See you later, brother.